Are you ready to start being visible? Well, you have come to the right place. Welcome to the Start Being Visible podcast. My name is Mildred Talabi. I've spent most of my working life mastering the art of personal branding in my career as a former journalist and communications professional and in my business, which has taken on various forms over the years. I now spend my time championing and coaching women to increase their influence, income and impact through being visible on platforms like LinkedIn and beyond. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you my insights into the journey to be invisible, as well as bringing you amazing, candid conversations with female leaders who have chosen to step out of the shadows and into the limelight in their work lives. Now, I want you to hit the subscribe button and get ready to start your own journey to be invisible with today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Start Being Visible with me, Mildred Talabi. So today is a guest episode and I have a very special guest in the studio with me. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's already laughing because she's having a good conversation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Her name is Damilola Felicia Badmus. Now, even that name is bad, badass, you know, as my <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot flattering. That's a lot flattering already. <laughs> I love it. So, well, Dami Lola's official bio is that she is a dynamic professional known for helping personal and corporate brands to build a strong online presence. Now, as a LinkedIn influencer and author, Damilola leverages her expertise to guide individuals and businesses in crafting a robust online identity through personalized consultations. Now, Damilola is also a skilled podcaster with a show called The DFY Show, where she focuses on career enhancing strategies. But listen, (laughs) I do not believe that that bio does her any justice whatsoever because the real reason that I wanted Dami on this show, on here with me and Start Being Visible, is that Dami is absolutely killing it on LinkedIn. So um, Dami and I first met, uh, we've known each other online uh, via LinkedIn, maybe for about, is it about two years? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably about two years. And I think the first time I met Dami, he was when she came to one of my Visible Women Tribe networking events, right? And yes, and back then she could fill me in on the stats in just a moment, but she had a good presence on LinkedIn, but she was still on the growing path. (laughs) Since then, I don't know what's happened, but she's kind of blown the platform up because she is absolutely (laughs) on LinkedIn, growing her LinkedIn audience to over 200 thousand followers (laughs) can I just say that again 200,000 followers there are some celebrities on LinkedIn who do not have that much following she has over 200,000 followers so Dami why are you not leading with that in your bio uh, I don't think I've updated my bio in probably a month. My thing, I just probably because I'm not much of a number person, so that's why I really don't take the old number thing to, um, to ex. I don't really just stick it to my head. But most times, 
I would just say I've not updated Novara in a while. And I don't think that Nova is necessary, except to tell me it's necessary, then probably I am I just updated. I don't know. I am telling you, it is necessary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we will talk about numbers and the reason it's necessary because that number represents influence mm. you know so it's not just about a number of like oh god i've got loads of followers because this isn't loads of followers this is a whole ton of followers so, <laughs> you know and i'm there i'm i'm there like smiling at my fifty thousand followers and and dami's here like two hundred thousand followers and she's telling me it's not a big deal <laughs> You know, no, well, it's a big deal, but probably because I'm not used to the number game, maybe I'm just trying to get used to it or something. Or you're also doing what a lot of women do, which is where we just play really modest, where we just kind of downplay our achievements and we just say, Well, it's a big deal, but it's not that. <laughs> Are you guilty of that, dummy? Ah, uh, yes, well, you just made me guilty, actually. Um, yes, you, yes, um, I think I would say that I'm guilty of that, especially when it comes to numbers. Because a friend of mine still told me about here in the UK how statistics really matters, and coming from a background where I just like being on my own, you know, just do my thing. I really don't have like so much friends. I think that you know what you said about coming out and showing yourself out to people, blowing your own trumpet. Um, is really, really important. And for you, Madrid, you kill it every single day. Like you show up regardless. I think I met you um, through commenting on your profile and then you pushing women to come out to be very visible. So I'd say that, yes, I'm a little bit guilty of that, but I think I'll change. Yes. <laughs> I think I'll change. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And and this is, and we're going to talk through that on today's show. And this is why I wanted to bring you on here as well, because I, I, you've built a massive audience and I want to get inside your head, inside your mind and bring that to our audience because <laughs> clearly there are some things that you've learned about how to build an audience group, how to build, use LinkedIn as a platform and how yeah. to just increase your influence and impact. Yeah. And, and as I said, that, that matters, you know, that number of people represents influence and it yeah, represents true. people's lives that you are touching in some way. So it is pretty remarkable. So you know, we will get to it, but first, okay. <laughs> first, I want to take go all the way back to the okay. beginning. You know, so I want to, I want to actually, I want you to start by describing to us exactly what you do today in your own words. What, okay. what is your occupation? Um, so right now, aside from the old accounting thing in the background, I think I do more. I do more of personal branding consultant, not coaching, because I realized that I just have to stay true to what I can do. Um, I know for you, Madrid, you're very good with coaching people. But for me, I like my space, not because I really like my space, but, you know, you've been in the game for a very long time. And I really, really respect you for that, you know, coming from the background of you being a PR personnel. I mean, I've worked in the PR industry for six months. I know the amount of work you people put into that. And then me coming to you know building my brand in the past two years starting from a photographer then I moved on to writing a book about LinkedIn and aside from just LinkedIn I just focused on okay building a brand showing yourself up to people because one thing I've got to understand is that your brand is you and everybody is really moving on to the online space you know there was a time where when somebody asked for 
okay, I, I want to, I want, let's say, a personal branding expert. Not every time people would go on to Google to search for the person, but right now people go on to Google to search for anything. And I think one of the important part of being visible, especially on LinkedIn, is that it helps with your profile ranking. Um, I did a master a webinar some days ago, and I really touched on that. That I, I sometimes I check out my name a lot on um, Google, and my name is always coming up at the top all the time and also my pictures and that's because I do a lot of posting and a lot of things that I get to do I mean I wrote a book in as much as I didn't do any paid marketing I mean it's on Amazon and because most times LinkedIn is my major place that I work with so imagine having your book on Amazon and then telling your followers to go get the book obviously you know how Amazon works and with the ranking the more people get to check it out, the more it ranks higher on Google. And so imagine doing all of these things and then your name keep rising on Google over and over again. So when somebody just searches for your name, it comes up and that alone helps with your brand visibility. Mm. And, and that is so true. Yes. Cause, and that's what, that's what I always say to people that like when it comes to your LinkedIn profile as well, yeah. it's like, that's why you need to make sure that how you represent your brand on there sure. is actually true to who you are and that it's selling you. Because when people type you in on Google, LinkedIn comes up as one of the first yeah. things yeah. You know, that come up. So, so, okay. So you, you, so you spend, you do personal brand consultations and mm -hmm. you said that you started off as a photographer. Do you still yeah. do the photography as well? Yeah, I do it, but not like my major focus right now, meaning that I can I still do photography on the on side, but the thing is that I like to weigh my options and Branding is not just about your occupation. I think a lot of people usually think that, okay, I have to be known just for one thing. But I think one thing I've learned over time about personal branding is not to measure your entire work on who you are because the time can come on your business rather because the time can come where you can decide to just go into another kind of business. But if you've been able to shape on your audience by telling your story just like you do every day on LinkedIn and you don't always share just work, work, work advertisement. A time will come probably when you just want to switch. You can easily carry your audience alongside with you. And that was what I did with my LinkedIn profile. Yes, I do photography. And I also shared a lot of personal stories that engages with people. You, Madrid, also share about your faith. I do the same thing as well. Talk about life, talk about my errors, talk about my wins, talk about work as well. So trying to mix all of these content together really helped me to connect to my audience and this year I just started my podcast aside from the fact that I wrote a book I started my podcast and then because I really never thought about podcasting but I just thought about it and because you've been I've been able to build a good amount of audience I've been able to transfer them also to listen to my podcast. I think mm. uh, I started podcast about two months ago and without any paid ad, without influencer marketing, just content marketing, I have over close to 1,000 plays on mm. each of the podcasts. So that's to tell you that your branding really matters. And one of the things and one of the ingredients about branding is storytelling. I mean, I really like to play a lot with things. Um, when I came to the UK, 
did some couple of jobs just to get my hands, you know, ready. And also when I came to the branding space, obviously, you know how the UK is, you have to pay your bills all of the time. And you also know when it comes to entrepreneurship, getting money in one month when you're starting a business is not really guaranteed. And so I hopped into doing accounting because I've studied that before and I've also done a course in it. And because I wanted to stay true to my brand and also inform my audience about what I'm doing, I had to now craft a unique story to let them know that, okay, this is where I am and this is why I got a job in accounting. And then after some time, I let the accounting story die and I went back into my personal branding journey. So mm-hmm. most times due to the fact that I share my story in a very unique way and in a very authentic way, and also in a way that is not, you're not just shouting at your audience, you're conversing with mm-hmm. them, that they learn sort of help my transitioning from photography back to personal branding and mm. also being a podcaster. So I never can tell where I might be uh, yeah. maybe next year because you know how the online space is, is very diverse and it's also very interesting, especially when you're young, to just sort of um, play with different things so that it can have a very broad idea of a lot of things mm-hmm. online. I, I love that. And I, and I totally agree. It's like your personal brand I like to say your personal brand is currency that you can trade for different things. And, and, and it's when you build it around who you are, it's portable, you yeah. know? So like, I, like you prior to like doing LinkedIn visibility coaching, I had a CV business. Um, mm-hmm. My CV was, my business was called CV makeover expert. You know, <laughs> I, you know so like I was branding. So everyone kind of knew me, you know, as CV makeover expert, because I did that for like 12 years. You know, and then it's like even today, I still get people at randomly message me about, oh, do you still do CVs? Because that's how much I embedded it into people. But then when it came time to switch gears, it's like then it's like because I was building a brand, like you said, not just around business, business. It was also some personal stuff. It's like people get when people get to know you. They can follow you into your new ventures and the different ventures. So that is definitely a, a really important point. And you talked about storytelling. I want to get to storytelling, but but still, still before we get there, I still want to talk about little dummy, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about little dummy because I I imagine that you didn't grow up thinking I want to be a mass LinkedIn influencer. <laughs> you know. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Tell us a little bit more about your upbringing, because I know you moved to the UK, uh, um, I think about yeah. a year ago from Nigeria. So yeah. what was life like? What was your childhood like living in Nigeria? Um, so childhood was more of um, the very always be at home by this time of the day. My parents were always very secure about me, you know, come back from school, go back home, went to private school. And, you know, like I said, when we started the conversation, I'm more of a reserved person. So after school, we head back home. Um, moved on to the university, stayed in the school hostel. I didn't really stay outside of the school. So after classes, studied accounting, went back into my class. I really, I didn't 
Yeah, I've always had a thing for photography. So, for example, a friend of mine, anybody wants to take a picture, and I see them taking pictures the wrong way. I'm like, no, let me just take your phone. And then I take the pictures. And then I was I was more of the reserved person. I used to do Instagram at that time. You know, when you've been a student, just upload your pictures, and then you just continue. But I didn't know there was a day I deleted my Instagram permanently. I wanted to just hibernate it, but I just deleted everything. Everything. So I was off Instagram for a while, went for NYC. Then I said, you know what? Okay, I was starting, I was making photography my habit now and making it more of a proper business. So I said, um, how can I start being more professional? I really didn't like more of the photography where you're always everywhere. I admired weddings, but I really didn't like the stress of wedding photography. I admired um just product photography, but I just wanted more of the human kind of person, more like arranging people, helping you with your poses. I was just very good with that. So I said the best place I could get clients from was from LinkedIn. But aside from um, that area, there was a place I worked where I worked as a student recruitment officer back in Lagos, Nigeria. And what we did then was just help people start to move to study abroad. Say you wanted to go to Australia to study. We just sort of help you with your visa processing and then you get admission. So what back what back back to where I was, I was more of the ocean show middle person back in the office. So I said, you know what? Why don't the company take a very good advantage of LinkedIn? Because the head office at that time in Australia, they were always posting about LinkedIn back to back, back to back. And I said, okay, let the company start using LinkedIn to its advantage. So being a very genuine staff of the company, my boss liked the idea. Um, I really didn't know much about LinkedIn at that time, but I just wanted to use it for business. So I helped the company open a company account. And then I was using my personal brand to my own LinkedIn also to grow the company. And talking about the company, what did I do? Any of the students that came through me or any student that I helped with the admission process, I would tell them to send me a recommendation on LinkedIn just to talk about my services. And then I think some of my bosses as well, I sent them a, a recommendation message. So I was gradually building my profile indirectly, you know, starting, I posted content about why you should study in Australia, posted content about the beauty of Australia because we're really dealing with Australia at that point in time. I posted content about um, what just a lot of content regarding the educational sector. Then I left the company because I really wanted to focus on photography. Then because I was starting to understand LinkedIn, I started now connecting with people. That's where the part of strategic strategic connecting with people came into play um, connecting with people or my target audience. Say, for example, I want to, um, I'm thinking of shooting maybe an organization headshot. I'll probably send it, connect to people in the marketing department, in the branding department, send them emails. So gradually, though I wasn't using LinkedIn for personal branding. No, not like, I was not using LinkedIn to talk about personal branding. I was using LinkedIn to promote my company and more of also promoting myself. So that part of saying that 
employee advocacy, more like you can also use your personal brand to help your organization. And that also has to do with you talking about your company and also looking for ways your company can grow. So gradually I did, you know, things like that. And then I started getting a lot of people sending me messages about them, you're using LinkedIn well, how do you go about it? I'm like, okay, stop asking me these questions because I can't keep answering everybody. So I thought about it that why don't I just write a book on it? And then that was how the book idea just came into play. And then gradually, 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 we ended up here. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Okay, so so there, there's some stuff there. But just to clarify, so when you said NYC earlier, is that National? Yeah, National Youth Service Cup. Service. So yeah, okay. after university, you to serve the government for one okay. year before leaving. Yeah. Okay, so so you did this and you and you get in and you so at this time you didn't know about LinkedIn, but you just kind of took to it really quickly and started to understand it really quickly. Is that is that yeah, how it yeah. happened? Yeah, and like everybody, just read online, Google how to use a platform. But because, like I said. I was more of a technology person, so I really understand what the search by is, how to connect, and just more of the basic stuff. And because I also had the professional mindset, so it was easier for me to navigate like than someone who is more of a social person and you're trying to fit into a platform that doesn't fit you. Okay. You you've mentioned a few times that you're you have a reserved, you're reserved. Would you consider yourself an introvert? I think I would say a bit of both. I can say that I wouldn't say I'm introvert 100% because I just, my energy just gets low quickly when I'm out. I'll just say that, especially with people I don't know. Let's say I'm at a networking event and maybe I've spoken to like two or three, four people that I've tried to connect with and then around the end of the event, I'm struggling to connect with people, then I might get, just get tired and I just want to run home. <laughs> yeah. that, that, as, as an introvert, that's how like introvert tendencies. Okay, so I guess I'm an introvert then, so maybe I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, because by the time I'm done with networking, it was like, no one talked to me for the next few days. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I think I'll consider myself an introvert. Okay, so, so yeah. So how has that impacted you showing up on LinkedIn? Because we will talk about how you built your audience, etc. But one of the misconceptions people often um, come to me and say to me is that, you know, I'm, I'm reserved, I'm an introvert, I'm a private person, I can't possibly be visible on LinkedIn. What's your answer to that? Um, I think my answer to that would be start with what you know, start with the knowledge you know. If you find it difficult talking about your personal self, start with the knowledge you know and what you want to share with people. I mean, what you just said made me remember that I've actually shared a couple of contents about how introverts can use LinkedIn. Um, So one of the best ways is just to start with something that you know, because we all know something. Take, for example, a 40-year-old man who doesn't like social media, and let's say she has been um, an HR personnel for the past 12 years or 13 years, she knows a lot of things that a lot of HR personnel don't know. So she can even start with that part of the business area. 
and just talk about that before she starts opening up about herself to the public. And she doesn't really have to tell everything about her personal self. I mean, I can't remember the last time I posted a picture about me, of me and my husband. I really can't remember that. I really can't remember posting extreme sensitive information about myself. Most of what I share are things that everybody can relate with. And at the end of the day, I just try to coin it to make a lesson come out of it. Not that I need your empathy or not. I'm just trying to tell you something that you don't need to hear. So I think that one of the best ways that an introvert can really learn is that um, one of the best ways an introvert can really show up is just talk about things that you know and start building a community. So when I say community, try to look for people that are like minds. And how do you get people that are like minds, even if you're not sure how you can get them from social media? You can start with people that you know. I mean, I became very visible on LinkedIn when I went for a networking event and I was able to connect, not networking, it was, I was part of a TEDx team. I had a friend who was a TEDx organizer and we were part of the team. And so how did we grow our followings? She just advised, okay, everybody connect with each other. I think we're about 10 in numbers, connect with each other, write recommendations for one another. And because when we post pictures about our gathering, imagine you have 10 people in a group and you post a picture, 10 of those people like your picture. You know that 10 of those people's connection will also see your picture. And when they see the content or they see your photos, they might be interested in you or might want to follow you. So the fact that you know that you have somebody on a platform sort of gives you a relaxed mind as just coming open to a platform that you don't know anybody. It's like you saying that you want to go for a party and you don't know anyone in a party as compared to you just even knowing one person, even if it's the DJ, there is a difference. <laughs> have you have you heard of the concept of, I'm very sure you have because you've been on LinkedIn, of engagement pods? Um, so yes, I have. Yes, I have actually. And I think it became a big deal over over time i feel like engagement pods really make you lazy and i think can i just, that can I just explain it just in case it, uh, someone's listening okay okay so engagement <laughs> pods is more of um you yeah. sending you having like a community of people you send yeah. your post links to for them to like for them to share for them to um accept it's just it's just like saying that you have like a church group and then someone in the, on the group keeps sending links back left and center Friends, <laughs> the only difference is that it's their own personal link, so they just mm-hmm. advise you please like, please share, please subscribe. I feel and like it's compulsory, uh, right? So, <laughs> yeah, it tends to be compulsory. You're part of a group where yeah. everybody has to kind of share and comment on each other's posts, and the idea is to boost engagement. How do you feel about those? Um, um, I feel like it's not so right, but I think it still boils down to the concept of whoever that started that group because you know that Madrid you've seen it one thing I think I really like about what you say about visibility is that visibility is not a magic overnight thing that you can just wake up 
and get results. But then a lot of people start using statistics saying that, oh, I got 200K of LinkedIn because I did so, 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 and so. You want to learn from me, join this group, join my masterclass. And then they start selling them um, value, start selling them the amounts they get or they start selling them numbers. And because those people are now interested, then I'll say, you know what, for you to start getting the amount of money that I get, you need to start getting engagement. And what I will do for you is all of you end up being in this group. You're going to like each other's posts. You're going to comment on each other's posts. But the problem with that is that number one, you get the same people commenting over and over again. Number two, you don't stretch yourself to know what kind of post works for you, what kind of post don't work for you. Number three, people get tired of always clicking on your links. And because of that, your engagement gets to drop. So you might be happy that you're getting like 50 likes a day. And then the moment you keep doing that for like two months, nobody is going to do the same thing. And then you're stuck and you go back to 10 likes. So I think mm-hmm. that some people that do that, it's not really a good approach because at the end of the day, you might not be able to defend or if they say, okay, you know what, come and do LinkedIn again, you might not be able to get the kind of results that yeah. you've gotten before. Yes, I, I am I am with you. I'm definitely not a fan. I'm, <laughs> I'm so anti-engagement pods, you know. So and 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 it's like you said, it's like there is no shortcut. You know, to yeah. to build in. Well, you, you can maybe. I'm um, actually. You're a, you're. A, we'll talk about viral posts and all of that in a second. So you can yeah. maybe kind of go viral for a day or whatever and have a great post that performs well. But to consistently build an audience, yeah. build a following, like you've done, that yeah. doesn't happen overnight. So there is no shortcut. Um, <laughs> yeah, <for that>. true. <laughs> you know. So, so let's let's talk about how you've been able to do it. So at some point in your journey, you were you were doing LinkedIn for other people, and then at some point you shifted to doing it for yourself. No, so let, let me get let me probably just change the narrative. I really I didn't help anybody do LinkedIn. What I just did for LinkedIn was to sell books. That's why I'm saying that because I didn't have the energy to be, okay, I want to optimize your profile. What I did was, okay, I just helped you with your LinkedIn, just buy my book. And then when you need further help, I just sort of help here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I meant by that, so you know the, the student recruitment you were doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so you were doing LinkedIn for an organization, is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you left them at some point mm-hmm. and then started doing LinkedIn just to build your brand. And that was yeah. your main focus. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So talk to us about your growth um, from there. So when you made this switch, as you were saying that you, you had this group and um, you guys were all in, did this TEDx thing together and started supporting each other. So at that point in the process, I know you don't look at numbers, you know, but it's just to give us an idea of like timeline and and the growth. Where were you numbers wise? What was your audience size yeah. at that point? Um, I think I remember that part. Um, I think I was probably less than five k. Yeah, I was really less than five k. My numbers actually. Um, as of last year before I came to the UK, I was, I think, about 30-something K, truly. And when I even came into town, I think I didn't really use my LinkedIn for like a month. And so the journey so far, I would be very honest, um, 
there are results of a lot of viral posts that have made, you know, done a lot of viral posts. And what are these viral posts? Some of them might be my faith. I think a lot of people are maybe Christians on LinkedIn and there is something that people really like that if they can do something and they see somebody talking about it, to just sort of relate to it. And just like everybody, we've had our down moment. So there is something about you coming out to share, you know, your 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 um, wins, your losses, and then people relate to, being able to relate with you can be able to say, you know what, I like this person and I click on the like button. So that like button, sorry, the follow button rather. So because of that follow the engagement started to grow and then I would say another thing that really helped me was creating quality content I think one thing I really like about you Madrid is that I don't even see you always selling yourself on your profile because a time will come when people might think it's really cool you know put everything you want to put in your content and then put a lot of um, very distracting emojis at the end to say I do so 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 many things follow me I sort of feel like when you do that, it sort of reduces what people want to get from you in terms of learning. Because at the end of the day, people might be like, oh, she's just promoting herself. Let me just keep. But, you know, when you just give to people freely, you really give enough quality content. So rather than you just saying um, 10 ways to build your brand, for example, you just give shallow things. You don't give proper explanation. There is no way that your content is going to do so well as compared to you giving quality information. Because the truth is that I don't know if you've heard these things that people say they are scared of giving out quality content because they are scared of Mm -hmm. not getting enough leads. But the truth is that some of your target audience, they even get to reach you or some of your leads even come to you because they feel like you can solve the problem. There's one thing to go to ChatGBT to ask you to tell you how to build a brand. There is another thing for you to start building your brand yourself. So quality content, pictures and videos, let people know you and you do that so well. Speak about things. It doesn't have to be perfect. I think it's just recently and I started making professional videos and they are stressful. <laughs> they are extremely stressful because I can just pick up my phone now, just do blah, 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 talk one minute, post. But professional videos, I have to sit down, arrange my lightning, and show that I did it takes for like two or three days yeah I'm telling you <laughs> I had a season where I was like I'm like I'm gonna do professional video videos like I'm doing now but this is for podcast and then I could not keep it up but I was like I'm not a put on makeup every day kind of girl you know, yeah. like that. <laughs> you know? so my yeah. videos are me running jogging outside sweating and putting a camera in my face and talking. Exactly. And then your content is done and dusted. So yeah, that part of just showing up really helps. And I think that part of also knowing people. I mean, you you can tell me that some of the events you've attended, some are from the Strive Master. Is it a MasterCard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Strive MasterCard. Some of the people there, when they see your content, they get to engage with it. And I think one of the sweet part about being a content creator or creating content is that sometimes when you go for events 
you can forget people, but the moment you connect with them, even if they don't post, but yet they see mm-hmm. your post gradually, they can just come to you and say, okay, you know what? I want to buy from you at the end of the day. So just like you said, your online space is more like your digital currency. So being consistent, which is your main tagline, like you said, mm-hmm. is the key to everything. Like you have to keep showing up. And I think just like you always say in your post that sometimes when you overthink it, it becomes a problem. But when you just go with the flow, um, you know, it can just come naturally. Talk about anything. But when you're still trying to talk about anything, try to ensure that it's still a little bit professional and it's still in line with the professional space so that people don't just see your post and they get to ignore it. Mm, absolutely. So, so many good things there, you know. So it sounds to me like, so you said that just before, you came to the UK, which was about a year or so ago. Your um, audience size was about 30,000. Yeah. So really, in about a year, it's gone from 30 to 200,000. What yeah. happened? <laughs> you know? What did you do? <laughs> um, interestingly, I, I really didn't do anything, I'll be very honest. I think it just had to do with engagement, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I My WhatsApp is very private. I don't bring business to my WhatsApp. I think I wanted to do a webinar and one of my team was telling me, oh, add people to, let people register by Google form that you bring them to your WhatsApp. I'm like, no, (laughs) I can't (laughs) answer everybody. No, I don't want to bring everybody because I don't even reply messages on a normal day because of the different things that I do. So the truth is that everything that I do is mostly on like on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I would say that what has really helped my LinkedIn grow is that part of the engagement. I really engage to people's with people's content. So when you engage people sort of feel like, Oh, she cares about me. She doesn't just ignore my message. And then they'll be willing to um, come back to your comment session again, because your co- the comment is what can make you go far. Somebody mm-hmm. can like your content, but sometimes that engagement can really go a long way. I know you've seen it before. Let's say you're scrolling through your LinkedIn now. And maybe you see like a post that had like maybe 52 likes. Okay, mm-hmm. I just have about seven comments, right? You just scroll past. But imagine you see a post which is, let's say, 65 likes, but have about one to three comments. You'll be interested to see what people has to say. Mm-hmm. And that comment session alone, it's another world on its own because people get to relate with one another. People get to make connections. And the more people engage on your content, the more you get free with them. So let's say, for example, somebody puts at, somebody comments on your post and the person maybe uses that emoji, you know, mm-hmm. just to convey emotions. And then all you just do is thank you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you leave, you know, maybe the person writes maybe like six, seven line of words. And at the end of the day, you're just responding with just two lines to say true mm-hmm. things. Such people would know what to come back to you. And I think that the ease of um, words, you don't have to use ambiguous words all the time. And you don't have just just to have that clear cut of understanding. I've seen a lot of posts, a lot of women, actually, that when they are trying to convey emotions, they sort of feel like everybody can understand that. But not everybody understands you. Not everybody uh, within your own knowledge or your capacity. So you have to write in simple terms so that people can be able to relate with you. So all 
of this, um, sometimes viral content, just like, you know, sometimes when you get a new job, I've announced a couple of interesting things before, like my book, you know how congratulatory messages on LinkedIn go far. So they, even though they might not buy from you, but, mm -hmm. you know, that visibility sort of helps. And then you keep those people that follow you because of the kind of content they follow you for, you keep feeding them because the moment you don't really give them what the sign of for, they wouldn't follow you. Mm. So that's what I would say. So, so what does your daily LinkedIn routine look like? Because I don't know if it's daily anymore. Do you post daily still? I think there was a point you were posting daily, but I'm not um, sure. Yeah, there was a point. And then I moved on to three times a week because... The commenting was a lot of work. Mm. So I have someone that helps me. That's the truth. I can't do everything on my own, even though I'll just mm. fall sick. So I actually have someone that helps me attend to DMs. But because I did a webinar, so it, which is more of you know, a marketing strategy with content marketing. Let's say I want to do something or an event coming up. Yeah, I also forgot to say, um, I think before I come back to this question, I think one of the things that has also helped me grow on LinkedIn is try to get busy and try to do different activities. So while doing LinkedIn, I wrote a book. And so that activity helped me to go far in content marketing, telling people about my book, which was another kind of content, um, letting people sign up. Then I also did uh, an offline event. That was also another round of content. So because of different activities that I get to do, influencer marketing, uh, maybe sponsoring somebody's event. So some of those different activities that I do sort of makes LinkedIn interesting for me. So sometimes when you give yourself a project, even if nobody gives you, give you a project, let's say you just say, you know what, I want to do a free masterclass. For you to put a masterclass together, you must probably go online to find the best platform to do a masterclass. And mm -hmm. because of that, you're learning. Because of that, you ask yourself, okay, what can I do to make people want to sign up for my masterclass? And that's where you're also giving yourself, you're also um, challenging your brain to think of ideas on what to write. And so that um, little project sort of add up together and it makes your online platform look busy. So the mm -hmm. more you get busy, the more you're attracting the different people, the more your profile keeps growing. So back to what I said earlier, um, because of the webinar that I really I wanted to do, I wanted to get enough sign-ups. And for me to get sign-ups, it's not enough for me to just post content, right? It's just also for me to post content that people will find value with and then they get to sign up. Because I've done a lot of trials and errors. Because you have a lot number of following, does not mean people will buy from you. Mm. Except you're a very high, um, except you have a very, maybe a very big celebrities. And I've seen a lot of business owners make this mistake because they feel like, oh, yes, I am very big offline. So if I put something online today, people are supposed to buy. It doesn't work that way. You have to, before you even put together an event or something, like you need people from the online space, you have to start looking for strategies to get them. And for you to get people, I, for example, for what you said, from what, um, you know, you bringing up your podcast for people to follow, 
You've mm-hmm. paid your part. You've given free content. And even when you're telling people to sign up for your podcast or to um, subscribe for your podcast, you still have to give value and let people know why. And that's mm-hmm. why sometimes you do a lot of short snippets just for people to see, okay, this is what you're, you're missing if you're not joining my podcast. So that's part mm-hmm. of content. So because I was targeting, okay, a masterclass, I had to... Um, post consistently, that's Monday to Friday, you know, four or five times in a week. And then now that I'm done with the podcast, I'm like, you know what, I'll just go back to three times a week. So mm-hmm. it depends on your capacity. Sometimes you can do three, sometimes you can do four. But I feel like if um, you're just starting out and you don't have the capacity to do every day, you can start with what you can start with. Mm-hmm. It gets to a point where Mildred can just wake up one morning, write a post in less than 20 minutes, and then mm-hmm. you post. Yes. You know, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but and what's your approach to that? So your posts that you do write, do you write them on the fly? Like as you said, you wake up and you type it and it's a wonderful yeah. post that gets a million people engaged. So do you have a, a different strategy that you use? Um, so for Different strategies, actually. I've, I've learned my lesson that anytime I'm thinking I want to write a post in just one moment, I end up writing in one hour. <laughs> and my normal 8 a.m. time doesn't work. Um, but most times when I when I just started LinkedIn, what I used to do is I used to have like my notes part that has a content bank. So I can just sit down and quickly just type out everything that I think about in my note part. Then there was another strategy I used probably when I can't remember, I just record it. And then when I'm done, I transcribe. But for a lot of times also I should do excuse me, a lot of times I schedule my posts. So maybe a particular day, I know that I might not be on my phone. I just schedule my posts. For example, the webinar, I had to look for one day to write about seven days worth of content. And I scheduled all of those things for the webinar. That was like two weeks ago. So now that I'm probably going to go back to my LinkedIn, I would have to check either I want to start from the scratch or I just check through my content bank or some of the things I've written in the past to bring them back to life. So it really depends. Yes. And, and this is what people don't, a lot of people don't realize that content creation is work. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's actually a lot of work. <laughs> it, it is work. It's like some people are like, I want to get these amazing results from LinkedIn, but I just want to write one post every now and again. And I don't want to put more than five minutes into it. I'm like, good luck, because <laughs> that's not going to work. Because yeah, if you're going to put out quality content for your audience, you're going to have to put in some work. And if you love the work, even better. I love what I do. That's why I've been posting every day for almost four years now, you know. So if I didn't, I'll be out, you know. But um, yeah. content types, though, you use LinkedIn Audio quite a bit, and I like LinkedIn audio and when and when in the beginning when Clubhouse came out, I went crazy on Clubhouse. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the platform that I needed in my life, right? You know? And then LinkedIn was like, we're gonna bring out LinkedIn audio. And they took so long to bring it out. By then I got tired of Clubhouse. And then when LinkedIn audio came out, I'm like, I like it, but mm, the problem <laughs> I have with LinkedIn audio is that once you do it, 
it disappears, you know? So I'm a LinkedIn Live fan because you can replay, you can go back to the content. Yeah. But LinkedIn audio is one and done, but you use it a lot. Why do you love it so much? Um, okay, I think for videos, I don't like doing videos. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think there was a time I tried doing LinkedIn Live. Um, that was the first time I started the DFY show thing. It frustrated me because I was in Nigeria, had power issues, had mm-hmm. network issues, generator was sounding somewhere downstairs. So I had to cancel it back in Nigeria. So um, coming to LinkedIn Audio, it just made my life perfect because, like I said, I just like my space. So just do audio, talk, blah, 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 you're done. At the time, I thought, um, I used to record, so I probably found out that, you know, recording was not really allowed by LinkedIn, which was why I actually created the podcast. So whatever content it is that I want to do, I just put it on the podcast, it stays there. And then I just say the same, put the same conversation back, take the conversation back to LinkedIn Audio. I think one of the things that I really, really like about LinkedIn Audio is the fact that it allows you to connect with so many people offline. Um, a lot of people get to connect with you. You get to see people and then you can take the relationship offline. So um, StreamYard, I've, I've used LinkedIn Live before, but I think one of the limitations that I have with StreamYard is that I can't really see the amount of people that are joining the session. So it keeps coming on and off and I really just can't have... Um, a one-off kind of conversation. And I think the beauty of LinkedIn Audio is that you can always minimize it. And when I try LinkedIn Live, I noticed that when you just go off LinkedIn Live or you go off LinkedIn, LinkedIn Live stops. But for LinkedIn Audio, you know, it stays even in the background. And then you can talk to people even while you're not fully dressed or (laughs) you're just in a mess. You can just still do audio. But aside from you know, many of these things. I think one of the beauty of LinkedIn Audio is that you can communicate to a whole lot of people and, you know, it goes far. It goes far. A lot of people connect to my LinkedIn Audio from Canada, from Pakistan, from Jerusalem. That one was my highlight when the lady (laughs) said she was joining from Jerusalem. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I feel holier at that point. Oh, I feel holier (laughs) at that point. So, yeah. Um, I think that it just helps you. And it's also another content type to try, you know, if you really don't want to do LinkedIn audio or you can just join both of them together. Mm. Okay. Okay. You you haven't won me over though. (laughs) I'm still sticking with LinkedIn Lab. Uh, It's still the best. Okay. Let me me try to see if I can win you over. Um, (laughs) Another way that LinkedIn audio has really helped me, to be honest, is you also use it as another marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, for example, the LinkedIn offline events I did, I just spoke about, because, you know, it's audio. So I just spoke about how the event was. Um, I think I called some of the people that attended events in the past, told them about it, and then I'm always directing them somewhere. So if it was, there are sometimes that I don't sell to you, we just talk and that's it. But there are sometimes that I probably want to target a higher audience. That audio event just sort of helps me talk to people. And at the end of the day, I can redirect you to say, you know what, probably come to my LinkedIn, um, come to my LinkedIn, come to my DM or just go straight to a platform. And it works. 
But for me, or maybe because I just feel like I just can't see that. I, I think I just started talking to myself, doing podcasting alone. It felt weird at a point, you know, just talking to myself. But I think um, with time, I was able to get used to it. And I think I also used that strategy in my LinkedIn audio. So it depends on what you really want. <laughs> And that's the thing, you need to have a strategy, you know, you need to have some kind of plan direction that you're going in in for LinkedIn. So kind of working from that, and I do want to talk about being visible, because obviously this is called Start Being Visible, (laughs) you know, but a really important question, well important to me, and I'm sure our listeners want to know as well, is because people think that having a huge audience is like the holy grail of of business on LinkedIn. So how does that translate for you on a monetary level? How do you monetize that audience? What kind of what have you done to monetize having such a large following on LinkedIn? Yeah, I think I want to start from where you, where you where you started from, and that's because people think that you have to have a high amount of following. So coming from a country like mine, Nigeria, Nigerians are people their own style of their own style of online visibility is way different from the whites or um, let's say people outside of Nigeria. A lot of people outside that are not blacks, they are contented with just like maybe 20 likes or maybe just few engagement. Theirs is just more of how it can really translate into cash or into positive relationship. But for some blacks, they just like the high amount of numbers. Yes, numbers can be interesting, but the truth is that it really doesn't define you. And that's why I really don't, I'm always careful not to think that, oh, because I have so many followers, everybody must buy from me. And that's why I don't really take anything to levity. That's why I put a lot of energy into my marketing efforts. I had a lot of signups for my webinar, but not everybody turned up. So imagine you're thinking that, oh, because I have so many followers, because a lot of people signed up, they're going to attend. But the truth is that because a lot of people signed up, doesn't mean everybody's going to come to what you do. So um, the way of monetizing, there are different ways to monetize on LinkedIn, a whole lot of ways. Um, you have affiliate marketing. I've gotten money from affiliate marketing, and that's because a lot of people want to leverage your large audience to sell their product or their services. So some people have come up affiliate marketing, influencer marketing, saying that you have a large audience. I want you to um, sell my product or my services to your audience. Affiliate marketing is more of, okay, you take this product um, and then if you can sell it, if you have, what's the word? If you yeah, have commission. Yeah, exactly. For example, the company that I worked with, um, where I did my accounting course, um, I told them that, okay, after I posted that I did a course with this company and then I was able to secure a job, a lot of people came to me and I also gave them a review. And because a lot of black people are also interested in doing a course like that, they had to come to my DM to say, Dami, I, I just want to confirm whether this was real. And I headed up to the organization to say, you know what, well, look, a lot of questions have been coming up. How can we work together? And then mm-hmm. they gave me the option of affiliate marketing. That's one way. Influencer marketing as well. I had a lot of people come to me to say, I have a tech event coming up. I have a tech course coming up. Can you sell to your audience? I make money that way. So through the large number base, a lot of times 
if, for example, I have 200K followers, about 80,000 of them might not want to buy from me. They might just like the kind of content that I create. So that's why it's very important to know who are your followers, who are your true buyers, and who are just and who are just um, people that are just spectators. So you have to have that at the back of your mind and know that because I have so many people, not all of them are going to buy from me. But coming from the part of someone that has a large audience, I just have to look at different ways to ensure that the numbers that I have would be beneficial for me at the end of the day. That's why my site from the book that I sell, aside from webinars, I might say, you know what, I want to sell something in future. And everybody will want to benefit from it. And I say, I want these people to just be my um, word of mouth mechanism. And I say, I just, I might just want them to just help me share because I never can tell where um, their own audience, or I never can tell their kind of audience base. So I'll say that um, different ways to monetize, to be honest, you can monetize from coaching, from consulting, from doing free webinars, from doing, you can also move your audience to YouTube. For example, I use my high amount of audience to listen to my podcast. So it doesn't just feel like I'm talking to myself alone. So in as much as they might not be paying me monetary, at least the fact that they are listening to my podcast is still something. And mm. so um, I created a newsletter because I just wanted a very easy way for me to repurpose my content. So anything I do on the podcast, I sort of talk about it as a newsletter, attach mm-hmm. the link to the podcast and people go listen to it. So that way the people that listen to it, they just sort of help the brand grow. So it's just a way for you to look for how whatever product and services that you do, how you can be able to know the right people that needs that product and how you can also be able to look for a product or service that sort of fits the people that are not paying you monetary. Okay, no, that that's that's really good. So there are various ways to monetize on LinkedIn. But as you said, what you said something crucially important that the difference is knowing who are the buyers in your audience yeah. because not everybody's gonna buy from you. Some sure. people are gonna be fans. This is actually <laughs> why I moved away from like Facebook and especially Facebook. It's like <laughs> poster people will be like yay wonderful awesome. you but okay so because um as we, as we round up i cannot let you leave the show without talking about visibility and the impact that that has had on in your professional life and in your personal life so Firstly, what does visibility mean to you and in terms of how you define it? And then also what impact do you feel like it's had in your life so far? Um, Visibility, I would say, is just you not looking at, first of all, you don't have to think about um, what you want to gain from people. I think visibility has to do with you just showing up, letting people know what you do without being shy of what you do. And also using the digital tools we have available to your best advantage. Yes, we have traditional marketing, but that part of you bringing yourself out to people is 
one of the best ways you can ever think about being visible. So if you're a doctor and people just know you in your clinic, how about you sharing some of the knowledge that you know on the online space? Because the time will come where you might just want to rest and what currency do you have? What online currency do you have? Because like we said earlier, your online currency can really, really um, impact you later. And a lot of good people, a lot of rich people, a lot of notable people are online. It's just for you to just see beyond what you can see now and just sort of project into the future. So I think that is what visibility is. And then I think for the second question, um, Visibility has really helped me a lot because, you know, like I said earlier, the part of you taking on projects, the part of you pushing yourself, because if you keep doing, I mean, sometimes nine to five is boring because you keep doing the same thing and you go to work, you come back, you sleep, wake up again, bought the train, the drive, and then you go, you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. But there are sometimes because we are also moving to the world of digital when you push yourself to say, you know what, I want to take a project, that project can make you read more, can make you know more, can make you test the waters and also see and also teach people in the future what they can learn from you. So, for example, for me, um, through audio events, I've been able to learn how to speak well. Through posting content, I've been able to structure my words in a way that any other person can understand. Um, through, through LinkedIn as well, because I organize events, I know how to use Eventbrite, I know how to manage an event, and I currently have a client that is paying me for this service. Now that I'm doing podcasting, I know the best way to do a podcast, even with my mobile. I've seen people come to my DM to say, damn, you know what? I want to learn how to do podcasting. So sometimes all of these skills that you're packing together, somebody is going to make use of them. And that is how people get to monetize all of their services. Because um, I just had somebody talk to me last night to say, oh, I love the way you edit your videos. And sometimes when I was trying to look for a perfect way to, you know, place my light in, I went to YouTube, but everybody was giving me very expensive light. But then I had to come up with something that fit my style and it came out well and I was able to play around with it. So I'll say that visibility means pushing yourself. Visibility means that you you do things that you never thought you could have done. You teach people things you never thought you could have taught. And you also impact people in a way that you never thought you could have taught. I think mm -hmm. I'll, I'll stop there. Wow. And that is a powerful, powerful place <laughs> to stop. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. So this has been yeah. so, so, such an incredibly insightful conversation, you know, and, and I think that you have so much value that you give. We didn't even get to talk about some of the amazing <laughs> in your post. You know, so, and, and like you said, your posts are there to help people, they feed people. You talk about yeah. also from your faith to like tips on personal branding, job search, everything. So I think that you're an excellent example of somebody who creates content for the benefit of others. And I think that your 200,000 followers is very, <laughs> well is very well deserved. So uh, thank you so much for coming thank on the show, Tammy. How can we connect with you? What are you working on next that we can support or plug into? 
Okay. Um, I think I'm trying to see if I can work on a course. Yeah, for personal branding, um, maybe course on how to edit, how to do your LinkedIn audio, how to do podcasting, how to write quality content, how to use ChatGPT. So I think that'll be that's the next project that I have um, pending or I'm, I'm working on at the moment. But for now, you can just connect with me on LinkedIn, the Malafedisha Badmoss, and you can also listen to my podcast at the DFY show on all podcasting platforms. I think I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. We will put those links in the show notes. So yeah. all that is left to say is thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time speaking with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Start Being Visible. If you have enjoyed this, please subscribe, 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 like, rate, review, and of course, spread the word. And join me back here next week for another great episode. Take care for now. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) You've been listening to the Start Being Visible podcast with me, Mildred Talabi. If you're a female leader or a woman in business and you're ready to start your own journey to being visible on LinkedIn and beyond, get in touch with me via LinkedIn or reach out to me through my website at startbeingvisible.com. Now, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your way out and I'll see you next week for another five episodes.